Hey. Hey, you. Yeah, don't look behind you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated, and they try to sneak huge fees in at checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Now, I'm going up to Dallas next month, meaning July, to try to check out some Rangers games. And you'd better believe I'm going to use SeatGeek. I used it for my trip in Detroit I told you guys about. Um, I've been recommending it to people left and right all across the country, to be honest. A couple friends in different spots been recommending it. My buddy is in New York, and he's going up to visit his family a little bit for the summer. And he and his dad are already mapping out where they, what they're going to go see uh, in terms of Mets games with SeatGeek. Honestly, it's the only place I use now. I used to use other places, I'll freely admit. The one that frequently gets mentioned here, StubHub. Stopped using it. It's not It's not necessary at this point because uh, SeatGeek's taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls all the tickets available on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games and SeatGeek will let you know if the price falls. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Now, I remember when MLB.com first got this for their stadiums, and it was awesome. But I would, you know, be on the StubHub app or something, and then I'd have I buy the ticket or look at a section, then I go to the MLB site and have to kind of, you know, use their stadium view. Now it's all it's all in one with SeatGeek, and the grading is just color coding. So if you know a stoplight, green means go, red means halt. So if you see a red one in the section you want, maybe relax and try to find a green one because those are going to be the better price tickets uh, for their value. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from start to finish and never surprises you at the end with huge fees. Now, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get that $20 rebate, all you have to do is download the free SeatGeek app, go to Settings, and click Add Promo Code. Enter the promo code SLEEPER, S-L-E-E-P-E-R. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. It's really easy. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code SLEEPER today. It is Friday, July 8th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, how you doing? Doing good. Got out there and took some uh, shots today for the first time. How'd it feel? Uh, actually went, uh, I started out seven of uh, my first 20 from three, and that's uh, worse than my usual. But I finished uh, 20 of 43, which is pretty much exactly my average. And uh, so I'm not, uh, it didn't feel super weak. Okay. Uh, you know, it's just, it still doesn't, I still can't close it all the way, but and it's still a little fat, so I'm a little worried. Also, my kid, like, sat on it the other day, and I was howling. My wife funny, had to, like, take the kids. My, my wife took the kids and was like, Daddy needs a moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the, yeah, that's probably alarming, then, that, that it hurt, hurt you that much. Uh, yeah, that was really alarming, and I heard you in my head. I was like, oh, I should go to the doctor, but... <laughs> It doesn't hurt normally, so. Well, I'm glad that you were at least able to, to shoot, kind of feel a little bit better with it. Obviously, uh, you know, we'll kind of see maybe how the weekend goes then, because I don't know if you're going to 
take it in during the weekend. But I hope I hope that you feel better. I I definitely am glad that you were uh, that you were able to to get some shots down for sure. We've got a big injury to talk about it, and you know I'm not trying to minimize you, but I think it's a little bit worse than you. <laughs> And, uh, I don't think I'll need surgery. I don't think you will. Certainly not season ending. We're going to dive right in and talk a little Matt Harvey here because we got uh, we got Matt Harvey, a couple call-ups, and then our futures game preview. Matt Harvey looking like uh, thoracic outlet syndrome surgery here. Now, I don't know if they've 100% called it that, but I know that first reports were that everything is consistent with thoracic outlet syndrome, and so I think he's having the same surgery for it. Whether it is 100% that or not, I don't think it really matters. The fact of it is Matt Harvey's done for the season. The question I have right off the bat that I'm sure a lot of folks have is how much of this do you think was playing in to the ups and downs that we saw from Harvey this season? Oh, I'm sure that was a big deal. I mean, one of the things... Wait a minute. Chris Russo said that it doesn't, so I think I'm going to go with him. Yeah, that guy. Sorry, anyway. the only reason I saw him is that they let him on MLB Central sometimes, and yeah, it, it kills me. No, I I see him every day just because I I just leave MLB Network on. I I also question my existence. Yeah, I've shot three TVs. I don't even have a gun. But I've <laughs> shot three different TVs for accidentally leaving it on. The funniest was, you know, who was on the other day was um, Andy McCullough, who's now who was a beat writer for the Royals, now beat writer for the uh, Dodgers. Andy McCullough was on, and um, <laughs> and uh, Chris Russo was yelling as he always does, and and Andy McCullough actually literally said, "Why are you yelling at me?" Yes, <laughs> yes. That's why he's the and, best, man. Everyone, you know, Andy got a lot of run during the KC uh, rise there, much deserved, by the way, because he's a great writer. And so, you know, went over to the Dodgers, continues to do great work. I love that. I missed it, of course, but I, I love that he did that because why is he constantly yelling? <laughs> Especially because it was like about Dodgers front office stuff. And it's like, he was like, why? I'm not the Dodgers front office. Why are you yelling? No, I'm not in the front office, right? I'm, just, I, I'm a writer mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. So, uh, in any case, um, uh, back to heart, you know, what I think it really makes a lot of sense because the way that he talks about the, the way it feels is that he lost feeling and doesn't like it lost feeling. Basically Mm -hmm. he lost it's sort of numbness and, and lost feeling. And I think that explains a lot about why his slider wasn't as good as it was and why he wasn't throwing his off speed pitches as much. Those require more feel. The fastball, you can kind of go back to your rote mechanics and just throw it, you know? Absolutely. And, and Whereas, <clears throat> yeah, the, the other stuff requires a little more touch. So I think Smoltz brought that piece up about the fastball for sure. They didn't, I don't think they really got in. I had to leave for, uh, for Charlotte's vet appointment before they were really getting into it. But I think he was saying something about, yeah, you, you won't necessarily see a velocity fall off with this. I'm sure he got into the thing about touch pitches and yeah. that's why we that's what we kept seeing, right? We'd see okay, the velocity wasn't bad for Matt Harvey, but nothing else really worked and you know, credit to the Mets announcers, they were in on this pretty early just kind of saying that his secondary stuff was never really as sharp. They were talking about it in April, to be honest, saying that, you know, even during his good outings, they they kind of had a uh, you know, maybe it was because the batters weren't that good that day because the stuff never really looked like it was supposed to with Matt Harvey. And so, again, he's going to miss the the rest of the season here. This is a, a big blow for for the uh, for the Mets themselves. 
Obviously, they've got great pitching, but you never want to lose, uh, you know, one of your best here. If you are trying to replace him, I think my best uh, recommendation would be to go back to the last episode. And, and, you know, if you haven't listened to it already, there's a whole lot of pitchers that we covered who might be available. And we were talking about them in the context of all these other guys who had gone on the DL. So this is another stud on the DL. And we went through, what, six, seven, eight guys who might be available. And so I think you might want to look there. In terms of how they're going to replace him on the Mets, is this a Logan Verrett situation? Yeah, and Logan has some stuff going for him. Could be a deep league spot starter. Sure. Um, you know, uh, Zach Wheeler. Oh, yeah, he's on his way back. I, I forgot about him. And uh, But I think he's had the, you know some setbacks, so we'll just have to see how long that takes. Another interesting question for me is, um, you know, how how bad this is for for Harvey for the future. That, that was my next question for you. Um, yeah. So so what do you think? Asking, yeah, a lot of people are asking if, um, if, you know, should I trade for him for next year in my keeper league and stuff. And um, you know, I'm not a doctor, but what I can do is look at a piece of paper with names on it that have previously had it. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's all the doctor's going to do. Let's be honest. Those doctors. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> here's a piece of paper with some Here, words on it. Here's some words. Take this piece of paper. Go home. And this is what, you, what you're looking forward to. I know Jeremy Bonderman was one. Um, yeah. Who are the other names that you've got? They're not good. So uh, we do have uh, Alex Cobb, but that was in 2011. So that's a real young Alex Cobb. Okay. Um, in terms of sort of mid-career guys, we have Chris Carpenter, but that's uh, near the end of his career. 2012. I don't think he pitched a lot after that i will i will tell you exactly what he did here as you continue to read names i clicked on the other chris carpenter like a dummy oh, <sighs> remember that guy who used to confuse uh you put I, did you ever do the trick where you put the other chris carpenter up for auction on, in an online draft like a, <laughs> i did that with the ryan braun pitcher. i know that it's a popular move with the adrian peterson for football when they had yeah. two of them um you said it was in 2012 that chris carpenter had it yeah. We never pitched again, so that's not good. Oh, nice. Uh, so Mike Adams, 2012, I don't think he pitched much after that. Let's see. Sean Markham, 2013, I don't think he pitched after that. I mean, he has I, – I think um, I think Markham specifically has pitched after that. He's battled back from some stuff. You said 2013 for Matt, Mike Adams. He pitched in 2014 but only 18 innings. He had a bevy of injuries throughout his career. The fact that he had – I mean – does, has Matt Harvey had a bevy of injuries? No, I was, I was going to say that the, the fact that Mike Adams had a 10-year career is kind of a miracle in and of itself. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, you said 2013 for Markham? Yeah. You were right. He, he missed 2014 altogether and then came back for 35 innings last year. And you guys might recall that those weren't very good. 540 ERA, 123 whip. This is a really bad list. You know, I'm not happy. Josh. Josh Beckett, 2013. I think he didn't pitch much after that. He did. He did finish in 2014 with um. He had the one. He had the the good finish, the good finale there in 2014. He had a 2.88 ERA for 116 innings, um, but his stuff, you know, the the skills behind it certainly they were okay. Uh, 4.33 FIP. That's all I really need to say. So the 2.88 yeah, so was not 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 the same man. Yeah. But all these guys were a little bit further in their careers. So the, maybe the closest comp is Jaime Garcia had it in 2014. Okay. Because Jaime Garcia is a similar age. Jaime Garcia, I might describe as more injury prone than, than Matt Harvey. I would, yeah. But at the same time, I think in terms of ages, they're they're you know it's a, it's closer than the other guys. I agree. Uh, with that. Cobb, how old was Cobb in? 
Cobb in 2011 was probably about 23, but I'm pulling it up right now. Alex Cobb, 2011. Yeah, that was his age 23 season. So he's basically had his full major league career since then. But again, you're talking three years younger. Jaime Garcia was 27 when he got his. There we go. So Jaime Garcia is your closest comp. Uh, I would, I suppose that makes it uh, better because Jaime Garcia has looked okay this year. Absolutely, I mean, he has, the last two years. Uh, uh, he hasn't been uh, amazing, but he wasn't amazing before. I mean, he was pretty good, and now he's pretty good. So, two, uh, 231 innings of a uh, 312 ERA and a 341 FIP are what uh, Jaime Garcia has since his, and so yeah. that you know, basically, basically yeah. the same guy that he was before. Yeah. Yeah, maybe a, a slightly fewer swinging strikes, but he told me that, you know, the, the, that the uh, slider was only slowly coming back and that, you know, so I guess that we could see something where Harvey returns to something that he did this year at first, you know, and then maybe the touch comes back after a little bit. Um, uh, well, I would say luck adjusted what he's done this year. So he's had like a 3-5 fit this year, Matt Harvey, if you uh, give the BABIP and the the strand rate to luck. I mean, he was hurt too. It's very complicated. Okay. That's the thing. It's really complicated, but I think he could come back to a three, five Oh whip. I'm not sure we'll ever see. I mean, he had a two fit in 2013. Matt Harvey did. I'm not sure we'll see that again. That's unfortunate because it was looking like he was going to be a superstar. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, injuries suck, man. They just suck. And it's fun. There's nothing like I'm not sure. Yeah, there's people who are gonna say the inverted W mechanics, blah 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 blah. But you know, not in terms of like breaking ball usage or I guess you know high velocity. You know, that's that's a marker for for Tommy John. And you know, I've always wondered what his true talent command is. You know, because he doesn't have high walk totals, but he did in the minors, and sometimes it feels like he doesn't have great command. So. But, but I wonder how much that's injury related because you know last year when he would, when Matt Harvey kind of had his um, post Tommy John hiccups we'd, we'd see him lose command and then this year you know even with a two two and a half walk rate which is which is pretty good he would lose command in the zone regularly you know that's why he allowed eleven hits per nine so I don't know to to your point it, it would kind of go up and down but I wonder how much of it is injury based. It, to the question that you asked when we were going for the comps of, of would you pick him up in your league, I would say no. I'm not even that interested in, in going after pitchers in general as, as like I really want to keep them. So I don't think I would necessarily do it for a guy who has this kind of trouble behind him as well. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I, I'm, I'm rarely trying to go in my dynasty leagues and get a whole bunch of pitchers in the first place in terms of investing in the high-end ones when they're healthy. So I don't think I want to get them when they're going to be coming off of thoracic outlet syndrome. Yeah, 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 I think so. So that that that's that's where I stand on that. It's We haven't really had a guy of his quality at his age uh, go through this. But, you know, even Jaime Garcia didn't come back to 100% of what he used to be, so... Yeah, I think I feel confident saying he might come back and fit, pitch to a three-five fit, but how many innings is a question. Uh, and then when, whenever there's surgery, there's always the guys who don't come out the other side. Really, I mean, uh, you know, Chris Carpenter. I wouldn't say I would say that Chris Carpenter, and Mike Adams, Sean Markham, Josh Beckett group did not really come out the other end. They may have pitched, you know, 30, 40, 50 innings, mm-hmm. but they you know, 
they weren't they didn't really they weren't really great pitchers when they came back. So I agree. I agree. I don't I don't really remember Kip Wells so well, but I don't remember him being that great. Matt Harrison in two thousand nine. He's still name, working but, his way back. But yeah. He's also had some Matt Harrison's had some severe back issues. So again, some of these guys had other issues that kind of go with it. So it's hard to fully you know judge what the what the TOS did to them but um yeah I know I know that that Matt Harrison specifically he did kind of bounce back from from maybe that surgery but but his back's been a nightmare and and essentially ended his career I mean he's pitched 11 17 and 16 innings the last three seasons let's talk about a couple of call-ups let's try to let's try to get a little positive here because uh yeah and I'm sad it's such a bummer I love Matt Harvey did you know that there's some dork loser who projected him as uh, the third best starting pitcher this year some (laughs) tall lanky glasses wearing idiot was like Matt Harvey will be the third best pitcher god that guy I don't know I I think he should be unemployed from wherever he works (laughs) let's uh let's talk Trey Turner coming back up and then Josh Bell coming up for for the Pirates. Let's start with Turner because this actually coincides with uh, Ryan Zimmerman going to the DL. So maybe that opens up not obviously not directly. You know Trey Turner's not going to play first base, but they can move Daniel Murphy to first base and then put Trey Turner at second perhaps, or maybe put Danny Espinosa at second and Trey Turner at short. Either way, they can they can start maneuvering some things. There is an infield opening, and that's why Trey Turner's coming up. I also know that he practiced a little bit in center field, right, in the minors recently. So yeah. there's going to be perhaps some playing time for Trey Turner this time around. What do you think of the of the 23-year-old speedster? I like him, and... You know, speed is is a, is a value commodity, very hard to find, especially in this league where homers are suddenly not not uh, hard to find. Exactly. And uh, so he's definitely, you know, I'm happy to have him on my tout on my tout uh, roster, and uh, and hope he comes up and and does well. Um, yeah, what they do is very interesting. I think um, I think defensively, probably the the biggest uh, the best idea is Daniel Murphy to first. And Trey Turner at second because when Trey Turner first came up, they put him at second, and so he's definitely played some second. And you know, whatever they, whatever reservations they have about him as a shortstop, I don't think they necessarily have that at second base. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is that Ben Revere is a bad for, uh, center fielder, and they sent down uh, Michael Taylor. So there's a real opportunity there too. Mm-hmm. And Ben Revere is not hitting well. So uh, Revere has a 276 OBP and is projected to have a 320 with uh, bad defensive value, despite you know being able to run like the wind. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just the saddest story in sports. But um, uh, Trey Turner here. Ben Revere uh, can make some great plays because of that speed, but I wonder how many of those. Because you know I I can recall in my head just a bunch of really great highlight plays. Uh, but how many of those are because he either got like a bad break and needed the speed to come up for it, you know, and he has a noodle arm and he hasn't really hit this year either. Arm right there. Yeah. Johnny Damon actually uh, thinks Ben Revere's arm sucks. (laughs) So, uh, you know, this is interesting. Trey Turner by steamer is projected to a 335 OBP. Uh, uh, Zips is a little bit, uh, is always the, the wet blanket, but um, if he did play to a 335, if he did play to a steamer projection, was 335 OBP 408 slugging, he would be a better player than Ben Revere. 
especially if you could play some center. So I think they'll use this opportunity. I know it's a little bit hard to do that considering that they are in first place only by three. But, you know, Matt Harvey just got uh, lost, you know, the, to the to the Mets, their main competitor. And they could use this time to, you know, sneak Turner in in center field in the big leagues and see how it looks. Absolutely. And it can't look much worse than Ben Revere. So, and I think Ben Revere is an okay fourth outfielder guy. You bring off the bench, pinch runner, um, you know, defensive replacement for a corner outfielder, especially for Jason Worth. He's better than Jason Worth defensively. So, you know, Ben Revere is a decent asset to have on the bench. Turner could then be all of a sudden the starting center fielder. So this is a real shot for him. This is a better shot than last time where I think Espinosa was just hurt for a week or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was v- very brief and barely played. You know, we've seen a couple of those this year in different teams where the prospect gets called up, we get psyched, and they, they barely they barely see the game. And I will well, get... This one's, I think this one's a real one because if you think about the... I'm sorry, man. Did I talk over you? No, 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 no. Keep, keep going. I, I, the only thing I was going to say was that we got to give Revere a little credit. His last month... Um, has been has been solid yeah. in terms of what Ben Revere does. 302 average, eight stolen bases in his last 25 games. He got off to an awful start um, and when when he got off the disabled list, but but he's he's picked it up a little bit. So I just wanted to mention that he has been doing a little bit better. Revere has, but I still agree with you that he's better as that fourth outfielder type. Yeah, I, I mean, just I think ideal. Like this is if Trey Turner plays to his projections, basically. So. Um, then, then you need to make room for that sort of bat, like a 335, 408. That's better even than like a good Revere, pretty much. So, um, because it has more power, you know, and more OBP, so better. Mm-hmm. Uh, the interesting wild card, of course, is Clint Robinson. Uh, you know, ninety-year-old uh, quadruple A bat that they've got. 90. I'm sorry, he's 31, but he's left-handed. And he can swing a stick. I mean, he's uh, in terms of WRC plus, he's five percent better than league average. Has been for his career. Projected to be about league average. But that's like, honestly, if I were the Nationals, I would take this opportunity instead of trying to scratch out a win here or there with Clint Robinson at first base and Trey Turner on the base. I would use this as a real opportunity. I absolutely agree. Because you know, you can sneak Turner in at center. You can play him at second. You can play him at second. See how he looks with the bat. If he starts looking good with the bat. You still got another ten days to try him in center. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And let me see here. If Turner's a righty, which uh, a lot of infielders are, let me see. Yeah, he's a righty. So uh, what you could do is basically do uh, the Turner thing at second, um, and then against lefties. Um, well, against lefties, Turner will have it. Will have a. He should he, he should play for sure. I tell you what, Revere um, is bad against lefties, and currently Robinson's bad against lefties. No, so either well, way, he's set for those plate appearances at the very least. For his career, Robinson's actually kind of a reverse a reverse guy. It's only fifty three plate appearances though, so I don't want to go crazy over it. But he does have a hundred and seven point better OPS. Well, I, was, I was speaking sort of role wise. People have just really um, decided to. Yeah, it's too small of a sample. That I, I doubt that they would be like, okay, Clint Robinson's our first baseman against lefties. Um, they, they do have a lot of lefties on the on the bench. I, what I worry about, honestly, is uh, Stephen Drew taking time away from from Trey Turner here at, at the second base part because they move Murphy over to first. They put they put Stephen Drew in against righties. Now, to Drew's credit, he's at least doing something this year. has has a little bit of a pulse with seven homers. But then that goes back to your point about Trey Turner in center field. So either way, 
They really yeah. got to find some time for Trey Turner here. Yeah, it's interesting to see if Clint Robinson is going to play against righties because then all of a sudden we can see Turner on the bench. So I think this is one of those situations. So we have uh, – I, I don't want to, you know, fire up the, the segue too quickly, but um, – <laughs> But uh, I do want to uh, point out that we have a couple of call-ups, right? Yes, we, I want so, Josh Bell. Josh Bell, Josh uh, Bell. First, base, first base prospect, and I think that that's probably why he's a little bit under the radar if you're not super familiar with Josh Bell. I think it is that— Also, he, didn't re- he, almost, he looked a little bit like Steve Pierce where he like, didn't really have power for first base at first. Exactly, and it's starting to kind of come along— you know he's he's always had some some solid uh, some solid OPS totals, but they've been you know on base f- fueled. Last year he was uh, straight up even 65 65 with his strikeouts and walks, and so that 393 OBP really built up his 838 OPS. Josh Bell had just a 446 slug. This year he's really turned it up though. His his first full season in AAA, he has 13 homers. Uh, he would have needed one more if he goes back to AAA for his best minor league season ever because previously it was 13 in 519 plate appearances. So he's already done 13 this year, 535 slug, real big numbers across the board, uh, totaling a 942 OPS for Josh Bell. They're going to give him a shot. Again, he's a first base guy, so and he is right-handed, so I think he could be on the opposite side. of a, He could be on the short Oh, excuse me. He's switch hitter. He's switch hitter. So yeah, maybe— and- he gets a little opportunity here. John Jaso's been what fine. I've seen is, but yeah, but I yeah, I've seen uh, I've seen some speculation that it's for Josh Bell to start. So good, and and, and it should be because I, I like John Jaso as much as the next guy. I would not touch his hair, but the three ninety four <laughs> slug at first. This is already a team that is is a little bit power starved. They get decent production out of their outfield. Um, you know, with Gregory Polanco's having a real nice power season, Starling Marte's at 467. David Free's been kind of a nice little uh, renaissance there with a 473 slug of his own. But outside of David Free's, the rest of their infield, and I'm not counting Jung Ho Gung right now because he doesn't qualify for uh, their most played appearances because he was injured. They're talking. You're looking at three other guys who are at 394 or lower in Jaso Harrison and Mercer. So they're looking for a power infusion. And it looks like maybe Josh Bell can give that to them. Are you thinking that Josh Bell's in all formats pickup right now? It's an interesting projection. 279, 343, 417. It basically does not uh, believe or does not want to put too much stock into the recent um, into the recent power explosion. So it's basically saying he was a good guy for, for batting average and on-base percentage, but not necessarily for, for slugging. It's a 139 ISO. That'd be below average and specifically very below average for first baseman. Um, but at the same time, uh, I think that's a nice projection because with a 280 average, like if he played to that, they'd probably keep him, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's upside it's, that comes from the fact that he actually had a 212 ISO in minor leagues this year and, and last year a 157. So... Um, he's been he's been trending upwards in terms of uh, adding power as he should as a as a 23 year old. What I was going to say between the two of these guys is that uh, Trey Turner, you know, might actually have a skill set that's more rare right now in terms of being able to steal bases with a good batting average. Yeah, yeah. The majors. I mean, we've talked about the power explosion, and so. When you're talking about a guy who's already stolen 25 bases, I totally agree with you there regard, with regards to Trey Turner. But you'll have to, you'll probably have to leave him on your bench. I mean, you can't, 
you can't be in a league of the the sort of depth where you just have to play him, you know, because then you'll then you'll really you'll you're you're risking. He was probably I mean, being it's... stashed in the leagues where he'd be an automatic starter, right? Like an NL only. He was probably yeah. already being so stashed. So anyway. sort of in between where it's like a little bit hard. Like if you're in a 10 or 12 team league, you really have to leave him on your bench because you can't just plug that kind of player right in. I, I agree. Um, and so that's a possible idea. Um, and I guess Josh Bell is probably owned in those sorts of leagues too. Although maybe not. I mean, he's not, he didn't come into the season as a top prospect. So No, and, and again, being a first base prospect who hadn't shown the kind of power that he's shown yeah. this year until now – I, I think that he is going to be widely available, even in, yeah, in some uh, NLs. And I think he's a decent guy. I'm not sure that I'd go, you know, to like 20, 30, 40% FAAB to get him. Um, just because, you know, look at his history. He He's struggled with power and then he's figured it out, you know. And, then, and if he follows that path in the major leagues, it'll be a while until he has, you know, real first baseman power. So... Let's look at uh, some some corners because I don't think that you really want to slot Josh Bell in at first right now. But let's look at some guys who are probably playing corner. Would you rather get with this? Would you get with this? Would you get, get with that? that? Would you get with Brandon Moss? Oh wait, he's on the DL. Excuse me. Would you get yeah. with CJ Crone, or would you get with Josh Bell? CJ Crone. I like one thing I liked about CJ Crone is that he's improved his play discipline. Absolutely. It's not. Not amazing that he's walking a ton, but what he's doing is he's swinging at strikes more and swinging at balls less. And particularly against righties, he's got yeah. he's gotten much much better plate appearances against righties. I've only seen a, 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 a small handful of them. I might have seen ten plate appearances this year, but he just looked like a better player in general. And honestly, most of what he's doing right now looks um, looks sustainable. And even if you regressed him to his projections like right now his projections especially in a batting average league he's projected to hit like 264 with a 180 iso and that's going to be that's like pretty much better than josh bell's projections and you know crone has been in the league for a while and has been adjusting and dealing with it whereas bell is just now going to get his first uh you know major league slider so uh you know i think um I think I'd stick with Chrome. Okay, what about Joe Maurer? Mm, no power Maurer. Not a great nickname, by the way. <laughs> Baseball not... Reference has not put that nickname up. That's not a great <laughs> nickname for anybody, let alone being a first base former superstar. You know what? Obviously, he's more owned in OBP leagues and should remain more owned in OBP sure. leagues. Although that but... is something that Josh Bell himself will probably do when he gets up as well, at least have. Yeah, but will he do it right away? I mean, um, yeah, well, Maurer did. Jesus. Well, yeah, 369 I mean, OBP in his, first, in his first taste of the league. Maurer was destined to be a superstar. Also, so. Maurer was like a top 10 prospect. No, I don't no, think Bell he was the number one prospect twice. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so we're talking – Bell, for those wondering, is, is around a top 50 guy. I think he kind of ranks – Maybe maybe his peak is around 35, but he's in that 35 to 55 range on most lists this year for Pittsburgh. Uh, but you know, if you're like an 18 team batting average league, that's probably the only like 18 or 20. That's the only places that Maurer's being played right now. I might actually make that switch just to see if you can catch that lightning in a bottle, and 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 yeah. maybe Bell has made some I mean, 
big changes that really spur him, uh, that, that spurred yeah. him in AAA and can keep him going in the majors. I, I can understand that. Because honestly, I'd love to have both on the roster because obviously if I was playing Maurer, corner infield would be a place that I was looking to upgrade. And uh, in a batting average league, I mean, 277 home runs from your from your uh, corner infield slot. You know, even in a 20 team, you're probably looking to upgrade that. So uh, I would like to, I would love to try and find a way to keep Maurer on my roster and get uh, and get Bell on there. So that's the sort of ideal situation. If you're like if you're in a 14 team league, you might be talking about a util, and you might be talking about dropping, I don't know, like a. Kevin Pillar, but you know that's the wrong skill set. But um, who might you be dropping? That's uh, like an outfielder with uh, twenty hours. Chu. Yeah, so, I mean, like, yeah, I guess like a Chu who's who's gotten back on track a little bit right lately. Um, what about a what about a recent? Well, I guess Chu steals some bases. Though, yeah, I was gonna because so. I was gonna say Tyler Naquin, who's recently power exploded weirdly, but he's supposed to be a stolen base guy as well. What about like a Yasmani Tomas? Mm. We've been who uh, the beleaguered Yasmani Tomas on this podcast. We've gone back and forth on trying to give him credit when he improves, and then <laughs> when he falls back, we're like, Pumpkin. we should have just stuck with it. Yeah, we, <laughs> we do. I will. I will definitely email Baseball Reference to get them to put Pumpkin as his name. <laughs> Sean Foreman, if you're listening, please come on, Pumpkin. Two sixty with a one seventy eight ISO. So it it projects him to be better with the power, but um, Bell has that upside in the power uh and should have better batting average well that is an interesting idea i would have said without looking i would have said no um but if you're running tomas out there right now you're you're getting tired of him absolutely because yeah all the good stuff already happened back when we back when we talked about him and we thought he was making some changes in april and and then again in june it was looking good, but then the, I think that second half of June he started to fall off, and then so far this month, very early, but uh, he's he's in a little bit of a cold snap right now is Yasmani Tomas. So like you said, it, the, it's kind of come down a little bit over, let's say, his last 10 games. I know I'm not going to go nuts over 10 games, but when you're talking about a situation here with, with Josh Bell, you're going to have to make some decisions based on maybe some smaller samples, both with Bell and with whoever you cut. Yeah, I think Tomas is is a good there's a line there somewhere around there you might want to check out Bell. By the way, even if you go 20 games, we're talking about a 228 average and 750 OPS for for Tomas. He does have six homers, kind of sustaining that that OPS because the the batting average and on base are 228 and 256. So if it wasn't for that 494 slug, his last 20 games would be kind of a nightmare. Which you know, credit for hitting the six bombs, but that's not something that you have to keep on your roster. I think I'd take the chance with Josh Bell and see if I could catch the lightning in a bottle. Because if not, I'm either getting Yasmani Tomas or a Tomas-like substance off the wire if things don't go well with Bell. Tomas-like substance makes me hungry. I don't think you want. Wait, don't don't make Yasmani Tomas hungry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't want to do that because then you're not getting any of it. No, I'm just kidding, Yasmani Tomas. We're not bad shaming you. Mr. Tank, even though that's his nickname, El Tonk. El Tonko. He's a uh, 6'2", 250. Yeah, 250, my butt. Um, one more guy. One more guy here. What about Lonnie Chisholm, who is once oh, again God. having his big streak, which he seems to have once a year, like a great streak where we're like, oh, yeah, remember Lonnie Chisholm? He's awesome. 
Yeah, I'll take. I'll do it though. I'll do it though because uh, you know, as much as I believe that he's a decent hitter, I don't believe that 346 Babbitt. So we're talking about a 270 guy with the kind of power that Bell is sort of projected into. You know, mm-hmm. so Bell Bell's upside then represents stuff beyond that. And Chisenhall's 27, so whatever he's doing now is peak Chisenhall. Yeah, we, we, we've and, seen it. We've seen it. Yeah. Right. I mean. I, I really liked Chisholm Hall. I actually liked him to to be more of a, a like a 290 consistent hitter there, and wasn't really focused on the power. He's been a 262 guy, and and the power's been a little bit better this year. I like that lineup that he's in a little bit better, but that's not enough to to persuade me. If if you're in a league where you're using Chisholm Hall, then I, I would go ahead and make that move. Probably a, a a util situation like you were talking about earlier. All right, Eno, let's talk more prospects. Let's talk about guys who haven't made the majors, though, because we've got a lot of interesting ones here with the Futures game coming up. I believe it's on Sunday afternoon, one of my favorite events of the year to just watch, get a really good, um, you know, you know I, sh- I shouldn't say really good in terms of it's like obviously a short look at all these guys, but it's nice to kind of see them all in a confined spot. I don't have the time to kind of watch MILB. I remember I bought it like two or three years in a row where I watched maybe a combined 20 games. I was like, you know what? Maybe I can just stop burning my money on this because <laughs> I'm not using it nearly enough. And so I use the futures game to just get a little taste of, uh, of what these guys have to offer. And then I'll see them, hopefully a lot of them again in the, uh, in the Arizona fall league, but I got a handful I want to talk about and we'll, and we'll meander. We'll talk about different guys, but I highlighted a few just to kind of get your thoughts. And then maybe we'll talk a little bit about um, guys on this team who could make a second half impact. And I know most of you are dying for us to probably talk about Alex Bregman because I swear I get 42 chat questions about him every week. And so we will get to him, but I want to start with his teammate first, Joe Musgrove, uh, an intriguing prospect, at least to me, for the Houston Astros minor league system. Uh, he's a pitcher who's really more of a command and control guy, which sometimes has a negative connotation, but I'm, I'm fine with it. I like He's not overpowering, but I really have been impressed with what he's been able to do. Now, he is only in double a so far and um i don't know that he's going to make the skip necessarily to triple a but what do we know about a 23 year old joe musgrove uh, i think i said musgrave it's musgrove um what do we know about him in, in in terms of what he can deliver and is he somebody who could be up later this year i mean you're right that command is is the deal with him uh but uh it's not uh, just a soft thing where he's got uh, he's got no velocity you know mm-hmm. yeah he's uh, not just jamie moyering it yeah he he well he was down to like 87 88 at some point but that was all arm problems i was gonna so. say uh, i wanted to get that in sprained rotator cuff and sprained elbow cost him some time so if you go look at his his page you're gonna see like 40 innings so far actually fewer than that just 26 innings but since coming back he's been back to the stud that he was last year he's got a 0.34 era 0.84 whip 10.3 strikeouts one walk 0.3 homers six and a half hits i know it's a lot of numbers it all adds up to him being great so far and i'm not saying he's going to keep that kind of killer era but he was awesome last year too a three level season where he posted a 188 in 102 thirds innings with a 12.4 strikeout to walk ratio i think you're going to see him in the major leagues in the bullpen this year because if you look at how many innings he had last year he had about 100 innings last year Mm -hmm. and uh so far right now he's probably at like he's at 60 75 let's call it 75 no no this year is only 26 i have on baseball reference did i miss some of him 
Yeah, because I have uh, on Fangraphs, there's tr- oh, uh, wait. double A yeah. 26, triple A 45. They don't have his triple A numbers. Sorry about that. Anyway, the, those uh, numbers yeah, I read off were, were the Lesser in triple A, but uh, you'd probably just he's probably just up against guys who can control the zone a little better. Sure. But, um, yeah, so he's at uh, 75 innings. Uh, I think once they get to like 125, so another 50 innings, that's another month or so. Now we're talking about. I think he's a September call-up. Was what I'm saying. Okay. He'll be, you know, he'll be getting there at like 130, 140. I don't think they'll want to add a lot of innings, so I doubt they'll bring him up to be in the rotation. And Maybe um, a spot start here and there, but not somebody that you can that, rely on. With his skill set, he has the velocity uh, to be an, an asset in the in the bullpen. His slider is good. They might want him to work on the change, but if you're talking about like, do we want him to start two times in the minor leagues and work on that change, or we do want him to get a taste of the major leagues and spread those 15 innings over two months and uh, and get some use out of him in the bullpen? I think that's I think you'll see him in the bullpen, and it'll be fun in the in the futures game to watch him because he can sit like 94 anyway. So in the futures game, I think you'll probably see some 98s, 99s out of him. Breaking news. I know we're talking about prospects right now, but let's jump all the way to the other end of the spectrum briefly just to announce that Bartolo Colon is an all-star. Yay, Bart. He'll be replacing uh, Madison Bumgarner on the roster. I hope he gets in that bat. That'd be pretty sweet, but don't, don't they have DHs? <laughs> Uh, do they have DHs? It's NL NL Park. I know, but um, actually, I think it's wasn't it NL NL Park last year. So I think that they have a thing where because Ortiz is in as a DH. Oh, uh, okay. He was a voted DH. I, I don't I don't 100 percent know, but do the don't they always use the DH these days? Maybe they do. Yeah. I'm not I'm not that big on the Austin. I was gonna say well, you can tell how much we really stay focused in on it uh, at this point, but I'm looking right now. Until 2010, the designated hitter rule was applied based on the league in which the host team plays. However, it is okay. it is now it is now moved over to flat hey, DH. Bart for DH. Bart for DH. I'm in it. Uh, hashtag Bart for DH. <laughs> Let's get it going. Get that trending, y'all. Come on, Bart for DH. We need it. They don't have anybody better to be DH. Don't nah, Anthony Rizzo. That guy sucks. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, plus, he's the starting first baseman. That was the first guy I could think of on the National League team. Sorry, guys. But, uh, yeah, Bart for DH. I'm fully in on it. Congrats to him making the all-star team. Let's move on. Another player. We'll, we'll focus U.S. team first. We'll get to the world team next. Amir Garrett. You know, I, I'm really intrigued by, by Joe M- Musgrove. I mean— even more intrigued by Amir Garrett, probably just because of his path. Just a really interesting path that he took where he was playing college basketball at St. John's for a while. Uh, they took a chance. They just they signed him, and now they've t- kind of molded him. The Cincinnati Reds have molded him into one of the better pitching prospects that they have. And they were letting him go basketball, baseball, kind of balance it. And I think it was either last year or the year before that he he, he pushed basketball to the side. He's full baseball. 6'5", 210, lefty, can bring it in uh, in the mid-90s. I think it consistently sits 91, 93-ish with a good slider. What do you know about Amir Garrett? Yeah, I think we're going to see some good velocity out of him in a short stint, too. So that'll be really fun. Uh, he's also like a high-effort guy where, you know, you'd almost expect a grunt when he when he releases it. It's like, um, it's very, uh, it's very intent. It's full of intent, you know, and he, he wants to throw hard. And uh, maybe some people will say, oh, that's recoil or whatever at the end of his delivery. But 
Um, I, I don't know. It doesn't bother me so much. It looks like a basketball player throwing to some extent in a good way almost. It looks like a like a, an athletic person throwing the ball. You know, it's not someone who's refined that and tweaked that delivery and pit, been pitching his whole life. So um, I can, I kind of like I like watching him. I think watch him and remember that yeah, remember that basketball past and uh, and think about. Uh, he's really good at releasing the ball out in front too, so I think it it plays up. So it's more like 94, and you know, coming out of a lefty's hand. The only problem is, you know, with both these guys, Musgrove and Garrett, they're very kind of similar, except that they're one's right and one's left. Is and, and I don't think Garrett has the same command, but uh, they don't have the great changeup. Oh, okay. you know, and so he's he's more slider first. We'll have to, you know, I think that's uh, change-ups. You may not see any because they're going to come in for an inning. Yeah, that's but, true. They're probably um, going to just be pumping it in there in the mid Yeah, so it's not, that's why it's not always the best. I think it's actually a little bit better to um, see how a hitter fares against maybe top velocity and uh, top breaking pitches than it is to see how a hitter will fare the third time through the order and the pitcher will fare the third time through the order. Cause they won't, none of them will get that. That's fair. And, uh, but it is, I, I've said this before, it is a decent way to see tools. It'll be, it's a hard way to see the stuff that's harder to see anyway, make up, um, you know, approach to the game, pitchability, command, those things will be really hard to see in this one viewing. But it was a great place to see the best tools because, you know, when when I was in the Futures game in Minnesota, that's when Joey Gallo hit the home run that, that yes. broke the call. That was awesome. You know, and, and Chris Bryant had, I think, was up for batting practice after Joey Gallo and everyone stopped to, to watch him, too. So, you know, Futures game batting practice, that's a ton of fun. And then uh, even the game itself, just to watch a guy you know, who maybe isn't that great against lefties or, you know, one of these lefty bats that's in the, in the lineup, watch him try and, you know, go up against Amir Garrett. That's going to be very interesting uh, for matchups and, and how they see him and um, how they do against top velocity from a lefty. So um, that's what I would be looking for more than like, you know, command takeaways or, you know, how good their changeups are. We may not see a changeup from Musgrove and Garrett combined. Yeah. We'll probably see, High-end velocity and then hopefully some nasty breakers. Yeah. Um, I, that's a great point, though, that you make about uh, about the pitcher specifically in terms of the takeaways that you can get in this one inning. I think everyone goes in knowing that you're not going to get a whole lot in a one-inning situation, but you know you can see some things. And, and for the most part, though, you just want to try to enjoy it and getting a good look at these guys, uh, a first look at these guys. I want to ask about Phil Bickford quickly because I know that he was a – Top prospect, uh, top draft pick, I think twice, right? Wasn't he drafted uh, by the Jays, went to school, I think Vanderbilt, don't quote me on that one, and then selected by the Giants in 2015. What do we think about Bickford? Now, he's pretty far away at high class A right now. By pretty far away, I mean you know, maybe next year. Um, so I don't know that he's going to be someone with a second half, Im- second half impact. I don't know why I keep saying second half. Second half impact. But how good is Phil Bickford? Is he the next... Is he the next great Giants pitcher? I mean, the numbers look great. One exchange that I found interesting was um, the beat writer for the Giants, uh, Hank Schulman, was looking for a not necessarily a comp in terms of skills or pitches or whatever, but uh, a comparable guy in the Giants organization to 
the guy that was sent to the Padres for Rodney. So that guy's name was Paddock, mm-hmm. and we discussed him on that pod where we discussed how he had helium um, and was advancing quickly and might have been a one place on the you know on the team prospect ranking before the season and was probably a little bit higher than that now. I think, uh, and Keith Law told Hank Shulman that Bickford was a similar guy. That okay. he's done enough this year to to really push himself forward uh, and uh, and be a guy that they might trade. I mean, honestly, they they're a win now team, and uh, he might be a guy that they send to um, to the Yankees for Andrew Miller. I was going to say to the Mets for Carlos Beltran. Um, it's a Yankees Zach, Zach Wheeler up. joke. And yeah, because I know that uh, Beltran's no longer on the Mets. Um, but that's just that is interesting, though, that you're saying they could they could send another top prospect arm to New York for a big piece. Although this time it would be if it was for Andrew Miller, that's a little bit different because it's not a rental and they need bullpen help. Right. Um, so so you're suggesting that maybe Bigford could be moved in the right deal. This because they're going to make a move. Right. There's almost no chance that. Yeah. Uh, San Francisco doesn't make some sort of move to bolster should, their team. You should hear the radio here. It's like, you know, people are just like, oh, the bullpen's a tire fire. It's, 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 it's like, you know what, guys? This bullpen is not – you want to see the Reds' bullpen? You want to see the, the Rays' bullpen? Yeah. Right. And There's let's be honest. Players. The Tigers' bullpen is still not that great. And at least, the, you know, they're 45 and 41. Um the Giants are still 54 and 33, so I don't want to hear any complaining. Over it can't that. be that bad. Yeah, I mean, just watching it, I think Hunter Strickland still has the velocity and the stuff uh, to be useful in the end. I'm not as sure that he can be a closer as I used to be. Um, you know, Joss Osage is a lefty that throws 95. Come on now, you know you can't find a place for that. I know Corey Gearing was good, and then he was bad, but he was never as good as he was when people thought he was good. That's the so. thing. It was never like this is now a, a great piece that you can 100% rely on. And if if Santiago Garcia, uh, nay Jairo Garcia, uh, if he was if he was your uh, setup guy, I think you'd feel a lot better. So it's it's a little bit lacking on the on the in sort of star power and stopper and you know Derek you know, Law's Santiago been Garcia's, pretty interesting. He's good. I don't think this team needs like eight guys. I think it needs one or two guys, maybe at the back end, like the very back end, like the, like on the, like if everybody shifted one over, like eighth to seventh to sixth, and, it could be a good. And that's where so, the Yankees help because if you do yeah, put Andrew it. Miller back there, now you're talking Strickland and Casilla and Osich get you there. Um, I don't know if Javier Lopez having a rough season. Maybe he's done as that Lugie type. So maybe you use Osich in that. Yeah, or you just give him a time, you know, or instead of Miller, maybe it's, it's Chapman. I don't know uh, what they, what they feel like with Osich and Lopez, you might be able to get by against lefties. So uh, maybe they go for Chapman, but uh, well, I don't think they'll give up. So they don't want to give up Christian Arroyo. And um, I mean, uh, there's a, a couple arms. I don't think they'll want to give up Lucius Fox, who's their their also. He's like you know 17, 18 year old Bahaman Bahamanian. Well, and uh, and he has that Bahaman. name. I mean, that name is yeah. amazing, Lucius Fox. I wouldn't want to trade him for anything. God, I hope it's Luscious. It could be Luscious. It's probably Lucius. It's probably it Lucius. Luscious. I should just call him Luscious anyway. Luscious Fox. But he doesn't have, yeah, he doesn't have the locks, man. If he had some long hair too. Anyway, uh, I don't think they want to give up Fox and like giving up like a, 
your top rated shortstop, one of the two, like Arroyo is a shortstop too. Giving out one of those guys, I think that's out of place when you're talking about even a, a Chapman type, sure. you know. I guess, you know, I guess Javier Guerra, Javier Guerra, whatever, the, the shortstop, uh, the low A or high A shortstop the Red Sox gave up for for Craig Kimbrell. Yeah, and to San Diego. But I don't think anybody wants to do the Kimbrell trade again, you know what I mean? No, I feel like the Kimbrell and Ken Giles trades – have might have scared folks off of doing that. So, yeah. but but Andrew so Miller's that so they, good that I think he's going to draw a pretty big return if they go ahead and move him. Yeah, so I think it'll be you know they got Tyler Beatty too, uh, who doesn't really impress me. He impresses other people. He doesn't really impress me. Um, and uh, you know Tyler Beatty plus uh, Phil Bickford is a decent combination. You know. Um, you see, you get a lot of velocity. You get some arms that could pro- that are probably starters, you know, for a, for a reliever that's that you only have for you know another month or so. If you got, it, it feels a little bit more like the Andrew Miller trade where say, they got Ed Rodriguez. You know, they, you're talking about one of those two, not both, right? Uh, who knows? I mean, Chapman could be. You could consider Chapman uh, a, a level above Andrew Miller, that, but I, I mean, Andrew Miller was pretty exciting when he was with Baltimore. That was a big deal acquisition for, for the uh, Red Sox. It was, so, and, and the Tigers were fighting to try to get the, him as well, That and, and they, they quote-unquote settled instead for so, David Price. So, I mean, I think if you're the Giants, you're, you're rooting that it's not Vickford, maybe, uh, but it, it seems like a lot of signs point there. Um, but uh, I would, I would, I'm definitely going to be watching him. I think that'll be an, he'll be an exciting arm. Um, you know, there's definitely some different feelings about him, but the numbers are just killer. Yeah, they, and it, they really are. It's good. It's a good fastball velocity uh, that uh, that that's deceptive. So that's a, a fun thing to watch if they ever give you the behind the plate look, or if you're at the game. Um, and uh, we'll have to see uh, how those other pitches look. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk a couple of hitters then before we get over to the world team. I mentioned him a while ago when you and I were, were first suggesting that we were going to talk about the Futures game. Travis Demerit was a guy who you hyped up a couple years back, but then he got a suspension uh, for PEDs. And I don't know if he's back on whatever it is because he's been out of his mind and having a really good season for the Texas Rangers farm system. He's in high A, so he is still a ways off. Another guy that you're not really looking for to deliver this year, especially because they don't really have – any need to escalate somebody that quickly, but he's been awesome. 20 homers and 11 stolen bases, probably good for a full year. And he's done it in 321 plate appearances, batting average, a little bit light. Uh, and, and he has the strikeouts to kind of match to suggest that he's not a huge contact guy. I think he's got um, 30, yeah, 33% strikeout rate to, to fuel that, that 254 batting average, but you like a 340 on base and a 556 slug. What can you tell us about a 21-year-old Travis Demerit, who I believe plays second base? Do I have that right? Yeah, second base. Okay. I think he can. I think he can stay there too. Um, and uh, he he could he has a potential to to do some fun things in there. Where you know you know if he gets on base, he's going to try and steal a base. And if he makes contact, you know it's it's sort of Galloian, and that you know could go real real far. Okay. So, uh, you know, the other part of that is he could just, you know, strike out two times and call it a night. So, 
Um, I think it'll be it'll be fun to watch him. I kind of I need to see more other than his stats. I've I've only seen his stats. I, I can't add much more except that I know that you know if Gallo had a certain power level that made some people say, well, don't worry about the contact. He'll hit it hard enough. Demerit doesn't seem to have that that backing. You know, there's sure. there doesn't seem to be many people that back him as a top prospect. But uh, you know, it, it's funny because. A couple of these guys that that uh, show up, you know, people make fun of scouting the numbers or whatever. And yes, obviously you shouldn't scout the numbers. You shouldn't use just numbers to scout your players because there are guys who beat up on the minor leaguers. There's old guys, um, you know, who are just beating up on the minor leaguers. There are guys, there are, are command and control pitchers that can carve up a minor leaguer, but you know, once they get to the bigs, don't have enough stuff. There's all sorts of reasons why why minor league stats don't always project to major league stats. But on the other hand, you know, Demerit is 21. He's fairly athletic and, you know, he's putting up eye-popping numbers in terms of power and speed. So, you know, these are the kind of guys that show up on Carson's fringe five report all the time. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, just looking at the, uh, the, some of the names you came up with, Joe Musgrove was a long time fringe fiver. And uh, I don't know if Demerit was, but he, he fits the bill for that sort of he, thing. He probably so. will be because the thing of it is he's still so young at age 21. He did miss the time. I think the suspension was last year because he only played 53 games. So that that would fit. Yeah. I could totally see Demerit becoming a, a, a fringe fiver who sits there now for the next year plus. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and – you know, there's all sorts of reasons. There's there's reasons that guys work out and there's reasons they don't work out. There's reasons to pick up guys. And, you know, I picked up Demerit for nothing in a trade, just as a throw-in. Because most people probably don't even know about him. Yeah, and also because so many people are, are, are into this, you know, not scouting the numbers and, oh, well, there's no, there's no real scout out there who says he's great. Well, okay, fine, you know, you know give him to me for free. I'll put him in my minor league roster. Or I'll, you know, and then you can, you know, use your own eyes at the at futures game and see what you think. Absolutely. I think uh, he represents an opportunity. There, there, there are ways to to gain the system as much as I, like. If you think about it, the, the prospect lists only provide about fifty percent of the major leagues. You know, mm-hmm. so if we like, as much as they're doing as hard, you know, as great a job as they can, are doing a great job at it, and they're do better than fifty percent when it comes to the top ten. When you're talking about, you know, the major leagues and the top one hundreds, you know, only only half of the top one hundred makes the major leagues. So the major leagues is being fed also by guys like Travis Demerit or or guys like uh, that figure it out at thirty, you know, or 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 added like Junior Guerra. You know, who's never on any prospect list, but now is 95 with a splitter, you know? So, yeah. So I, I think... Um, Baseball is the best sport for that, right? Because guys can evolve so much. And yeah, there's definitely a cutoff point age-wise, but you just, you don't really see that in the other sports where athleticism is, is such a such a huge part, particularly with pitching. You can just see things kind of, guys kind of pop up a little bit later down the road. So... Obviously, you want to lean toward the guys who are the best, best scouted uh, or, or best on the prospect lists and have the most pedigree coming in. But you cannot just forget everybody who doesn't pop up on a, on a big list. Yeah, I think it's the minor league system. You know, there's a huge minor league system. You think about basketball, basically the top 
20, maybe the top 15 are guaranteed a job out of the draft. The top 30 uh, are guaranteed a, a roster spot, you know, and then that's it. Mm-hmm. And the other guys have to go to the D leagues and maybe two guys in the, in the NBA in a year will come off the D league and be, and be and relevant. Be, yeah. And be exactly. And be like, Whoa, this guy, this guy's good. He's going to stick. No, I totally, I totally, totally agree on that, on that end. So don't forget Travis DeMerit. Let's talk a couple other guys here. Let's talk Alex Bregman. I know everyone's waiting for him to come up. Oh, oh we're going to do it finally. Yep. They ask us when he's going to get called up. I don't know. I don't think you know. <laughs> I understand why they hey, ask. Paul, oh, here we go. I understand the interest, right? Because he's awesome. He's been amazing in the minors. And you kind of look on the roster and you can kind of see where, where he could fit in. But I cannot stress enough how even the, the, the top guys, even Eric Longenhang and our guy, um, Keith Law over at, uh, at, at ESPN, the, ba- the Baseball America guys, they don't know. because Primarily because Jeff Lunau doesn't know. I don't think there's a, a date that it's happening, right? A lot of times, once you get to a certain point in the season, it's needs-based. In fact, I don't even know if there's a certain point. I think it's, that's forever. It, it, it's based on need. And I don't know that they have a glaring need because while folks might not like Luis Valbuena that much, the fact is he's having a pretty good season. He's better than that loser Carlos Correa in terms of OPS. So maybe they should send down Carlos Correa for Alex Bregman. What do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, that's that you heard it first. <laughs> uh, but Luis Valbuena does have an 822 OPS with 11 homers. And that's the guy who everyone keeps kind of pushing out to bring Bregman in. And I just don't see it. And so as great as Bregman's been, and he's come up to AAA and been, <clears throat> excuse me, even better in, in a quick 38 plate appearance sample. He's got 389, 421, 889. That's his slugging, by the way, not his OPS. Um, compare that with his 975 OPS from AA. He's been great all year. He was great in a high sexy. A sample last year, but I don't know where he's going to play. You're talking sexy to me right now. I mean, it's, it, those, those numbers belong on the hub. They're so great. <laughs> but I don't know. Oh, don't ask him what hubby means. Exactly. So uh, the, the, here's a note that's interesting. Bregman has played solely shortstop since being promoted to AAA as the Astros wanted to feel comfortable against pitching at the new level without having to worry about, about learning a new position at the same okay. time. So you have to slow your roll because he's not even playing third. You know, they're not going to. And, and if that's what they're doing in AAA, are they going to call him up to the major leagues? And say, well, in AAA, we wanted you to feel comfortable with AAA, and so we played you at shortstop. In the major leagues, here's third base. You know, <laughs> exactly. So maybe if Carlos Correa gets hurt, then I think it'll be a real easy one for them to do. I mean, they could do Marwin Gonzalez, but they could also say, hey, Bregman, here's a couple days. You know, here's a couple weeks. Give it a shot. That's the thing. They have yeah. options where they don't necessarily have to force Bregman up. And yeah. so I know that folks are excited for him, but I just don't know that you might you might get a September call up. Like that's probably where what we're headed toward right now, barring injury. And it might just be like to hang out on the base, get yep. some abs, and taste the major leagues. You yep. know? And meet some of the guys a little bit more, kind of get acclimated so that when next year when they expect him to be a bigger piece, he's is not completely foreign uh, to, to being in a big league clubhouse. I, I completely agree there, and I just. Uh, I don't know. If you're in the 10 and 12 team and you're holding him, I think you can move on from Alex Bregman in those cases. Yeah, I'd rather have Bell or, or, or Trey Turner right now because those guys are, are, are going to do something. I, I, there we go. Sorry. I wish I had better answers uh, and, and a rosier outlook because of how great uh, Bregman's been in the minors, but I just don't see it. 
So there's that. Um, now let's kind of look over the roster. Oh, wait, one more guy that was asked about on Twitter, Dansby Swanson. Uh, another one who I think folks are, are hoping is going to get called up. Heard some grumblings here and there that, you know, they really do love him in in, in, uh, in Atlanta, and so maybe they will. And then today on Rotowire, there was a the little note about how Eric Ibar is being shopped around. So it doesn't seem very difficult to see him getting traded. But you talk about somebody like Dansby, Dansby Swanson, who's only at double A right now, and he's been kind of whatever, right? A, a 275, 357, 423 line is fine for a 22-year-old at double A, but that's not saying that, hey, last place team, you need to call me up because instead of 29 wins, I could have us up to 31. And how great would 31 wins be? Woo! No, I think, I think what they really want right now is they actually put Ozzy Albies – uh, to second base, and they demoted him, but I don't think it was a demotion. I mean, he wasn't playing awesomely at uh, AAA, Ozzy Albies. Mm-hmm. The, uh, you know, he had a 248, 307, 351. That was uh, 10% worse than league average. That was the worst of his of his career. But, you know, for a guy who is 19 years old. You're so young um, to be, be at AAA. So, AAA. honestly, the fact yeah. that he even had a 659, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. lucky it wasn't. I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say it's not that bad, except the fact yeah, I know that the raw bad. numbers are you have to consider the age. Yeah. So you and they what they did was they, they didn't demote him because he was bad. They demoted him to play second next to Swanson. So I guess they decided about his about his defensive position, which is a little bit of a bummer, you know, because I've 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 been big on Albies. I think he has plus black control and can, will have a 300 batting average in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I do uh, and and steal some bases, which is hard to you know. Like I said, it's it's the hardest skill set to find these days. But uh, at second base, still useful. We'll probably have that shortstop eligibility when he first comes up uh, for a year at least, and uh, you know may may play short when you know Dansby's hurt or whatever. So may still you know maintain that shortstop eligibility for a little bit. But uh, yeah, so they're playing those guys next to each other. They they say that's the keystone of the future. They need to just be comfortable with those throws around second and, and that's all we need from them right now. So yeah, they don't need extra wins. Even if they do send uh, Eric Ibar someone, they'll probably give Daniel Castro a shot at short just because, you know, why not? We want to lose all the games we can. Mm-hmm. And doing uh, a Daniel, that. <laughs> Daniel Castro could be a utility guy for us. I mean, he's projected to have a 60 WRC plus. So and uh, not a ton of defensive value might just be a replacement level player. But, hey, you know, we don't care. That's better than Eric Ibar right now. Let's give him a year. Let's give him the rest of the year and see if we even want to have him as a backup on the roster next year. You know, Mm -hmm. Okay, that's that's fair. So would not get too hyped on Dansby Swanson right now. I think that's an interesting part that you mentioned about Albies going down so that they can kind of work as a double play combo. And now they're back in sync and hopefully they move they move up together. Um, should should they both try to go to AAA this year? I could see them both just staying at AA the rest of the way, though. Uh, one more uh, United States guy, and then we'll move over to the world, because I think this is somebody who folks think could be a, 2015, a 2016 contributor as well, Andrew Benintendi. Now, I mentioned in my chat that I could see it, but I could actually see it for another team. You mentioned Phil Bickford maybe getting moved. I could see Benintendi being a big part uh, of, of a deal perhaps with the team we just talked about, Atlanta, because they've been talking about Julio Tehran and Erodas Vizcaino for that team. 
Benintendi could be the centerpiece of such a deal, but he is only in double-A Portland. Do you think Benintendi makes it up this year, whether with a new team or with Boston, or would it depend on if he gets traded? Uh, I mean, it's not like the, the lefty, the left, lefty, the left, left fielder for the Red Sox right now is amazing. It's Brock Holt. Brock Holt. And Brock Holt. And uh, Brock, 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 Lee. Uh, Brock Holt. Brock Holt is 10% worse than league average right now and projected to be the same. And was a utility guy that played all over the field um, at his best. So I think that's that opportunity waits for Benintendi, um, but you know, for example, he's not. Uh, I bet you he's not on the forty man because he's not on our depth charts, and um, he was just uh, he was just drafted in twenty fifteen, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah, last, last year. Yeah. And so his college pick but that they thought could maybe he's a college pick twenty two. He's play, he's raking in double A. Uh, 29% above league average in Double A. I think uh, I think we'll hear air horns from Kylie McDaniel if he gets Ben Intendi for. T- <laughs> I'd love to hear that because he actually has the sound. We j- we can't afford that on this podcast, so we, <laughs> we just use our, our mouth for it. So I, that'd we don't be great. Work in baseball or anything? Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> we're not, we're not, we don't work for the freaking Braves. Come on. But I would I would say that um, in terms of playing time this year. I would say that David Dahl might be a little bit closer. Uh, Dahl is also 22, but he's playing in Triple A right now, and he's behind a guy uh, in Carlos Gonzalez that maybe demanded a trade, maybe didn't, maybe he was just talking. Uh, but in any case, uh, should be traded if the Rockies have any sort of sense. And uh, I'm not sure that Dahl has a ton more to learn in the minor leagues. I guess he could cut the strikeout rate a little bit or, you know, get to know AAA guys. But uh, I think they could just throw him in the fire and see what they got. All right. Well, anybody else on the American team? He'll be at the Futures game. You know, you get to watch him too. Absolutely. Uh, Anybody else on the, on the U S team that you want to, that you want to touch on before we move over to the world team? Well, let me see. Um, Is Tyler O'Neill is a, world guy yeah um Weird. i don't know where he's from but uh he is he is and that's it. we're going to be getting to him uh, oh, well just some quick hitters willie calhoun. willie calhoun second baseman for the angels is in the game uh he can hit it hard i'm not joking when i ask this is he is he related to cole and the only reason i, I guess the only reason i asked is because they're cole's on the same team so maybe it is stupid to even ask but is he Oh God! You know what? For some reason, wait. He's a Dodger. Oh, you said you said Angels. That's why I was confused. Sorry. You said L.A. Yeah. Maybe I, that's my fault. See, there you go. I, I I heard Calhoun in L.A. and I instantly thought Cole. Well, good because you saved me from saying that I think that Willie Calhoun is black, but I don't even know if he is. Oh, okay. Well, whoops. We're we're off the rails here. Talk to us about <laughs> Willie Calhoun, <laughs> anyway, second baseman. Calhoun. He is black. Is not related guy. to Cole. Double A right now. The minor leagues from a second baseman. That's hard to find. Um, and uh, doesn't strike out like Demerit. So he's definitely an interesting player, especially with the Dodgers getting super old at second base. So you don't think he'll be one of those candidates to be traded like we've talked about here from other contenders? Oh, you think, think they got to keep him to be their next guy? 
Yeah, Dodgers are holding on to their prospects. They're gonna, if they make a trade, it's for a reliever, and they're going to give up a an arm, and it's going to be a low A arm Tra- or something. Trash, yeah, or, or not necessarily yeah. trash, but just like lottery ticket types. Yeah, they're in. There, Remember, it's Friedman. Friedman wants to win every trade by a mile. Absolutely. So, so they're not going to give Willie Calhoun unless they get Patances and Miller or something. Something like that, yeah. So, uh, so Calhoun is an interesting name on the U.S. side. Dominic Smith is the first baseman for the uh, Mets, and uh, so therefore becomes interesting. However, I'm not sure about his power, so watching him for power is interesting. In the outfield, Hunter Renfro is really close for the Padres, and they may trade somebody, and they may, you may actually see him in the major leagues this year. The question with Renfro is not necessarily power as much as it is hit tool. So if you want to try and watch him for, for some hit tool action. Yeah, I saw some colossal power out of him in the, in the Arizona Fall League and was really impressed by that. To your yeah. point, though, needs to make a little bit more consistent contact with things. A couple guys that we uh, – well, you talked to them. I kind of sat in on it. Cliff Frazier, Austin Meadows. Um, Austin Meadows, actually, I don't think he's going to play. He's got a little X next to his name on this on this list here. Let me see. The roster I'm looking at. Let me see what that means. That means that he was selected but won't play because of injury. So Austin Meadows is nicked. Probably but, not. But uh, Cliff Frazier is interesting. Uh, we watched to see if he makes contact with anything other than a fastball. We we had a good conversation with him, and then he just went. I think we saw him like you know an hour later, whiff at like five straight breaking balls in one at bat. Mm-hmm. So, you know his his strikeout rate's gone down, but uh, like we saw him in 2015 in uh, the AFL, and that was so that's the end of that season. I'm not like I don't know what he would have done since then that. Um, that would have changed my mind about him. I think he's going to have a bad batting average in the major leagues, and uh, he's going to really have to play up to everything else, the the defense, the stolen base, like the, everything, the base running, the defense, and the power. are all going to have to be near top levels and the patience in order for him to, to be a major leaguer even, I think. I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit worried about that contact ability. It's just just real bad play, uh, like pitch recognition, I think. It's just... You know, thinks it's a fastball and boom, 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 and sit down again. So. I believe he told us though that he was going to quote let it eat, yeah. and that strikeouts <laughs> were going to be part of his game, which I respected because he's just saying, listen, it is what it is, and uh, power is going to be part of my game. I try to let the the other parts develop. Let's shift over to the to the world team now. Oh, one last one. Oh, one last yes, one. Yes. Josh Hader, don't be a hater. Don't be a hater. Uh, love him. Love him. Uh, I think he has three pitches. Not everyone agrees. He definitely has velocity, a little bit wild, but he's a Milwaukee pitcher. They need pitchers. It's a little bit hard to, you know, it's not quite Coors level, though. So, Josh Hader, give him a look. Uh, Well, it's not quite Coors level, but he is pitching in a Coors level right now because he's in Colorado Springs. So, I would not get too bent out of shape about his ugly AAA numbers right now. They're just, they're so tough to judge um, with Josh Hader. Now, he's the one, did he come from? He came from Houston, though, but via Baltimore, right? Because remember last episode, I was confused by where Zach Davies' path. So, oh, yeah, yeah, it was Baltimore first, though. I don't yeah. know how he got to Houston, but I think he came over. It was a in, small deal. I can't Gomez? remember the deal. Not in the Gomez deal. I well, yeah, it was in the Gomez deal. I just meant from Baltimore to Houston. I don't know oh, how he got yeah. there. 
irrelevant, doesn't really matter. Fact is, he's at AAA right now. He's had five starts there. The numbers look terrible. He's still getting his strikeouts, though. I would not get bent out of shape on those ugly numbers. Colorado Springs is a nightmare. Uh, 424 batter. You know what? The, the, the league should not have let Colorado Rockies leave Colorado Springs and put that put that on anybody else because there was that big shuffle up last year of of triple a teams and i guess uh, milwaukee was left holding the hot potato of of colorado springs because that's just a nightmare for their pitchers and really tough to get any sort of read but we could see josh Hader later this year right yeah yeah i think we could yeah okay he's 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 not uh if he if he comes out of the other side of this maelstrom that is colorado springs i think that they'll say okay he's ready for the big leagues because he's been striking guys out all the way along so World team now. And Tyler O'Neill is Canadian. That's why he's on there. Um, hey. Because you were wondering. Let's start with some pitchers. Another big one that, that does get asked uh, about a lot. Um, Alex Reyes was given a, a weed suspension. We can save our thoughts for how dumb we think that is, but broke a rule, had to take a suspension. So he's off to, uh, it doesn't have a lot of innings already this year. That might end up working in his favor in a weird way, though, because. He might not be up against an innings limit so quickly, of course. He had 115 total last year when you add in the the Arizona Fall League, and so far this year only 41. The results aren't great, but the the skills are are right in line with what they were last year, which is a ton of strikeouts but a ton of walks. He is only 21, but in AAA. Do we see Alex Reyes this year? And if so, what can we really expect out of him? You know, it's it's uh, it's good stuff. I mean, it's really good stuff. It's uh, it's just not great command. And I think if you watched um, Tyler Glass now a little bit, it's not the same. They're not the same uh, guy. There's, I wouldn't I would never say that because uh, you know Tyler who, who Glass now. Oh, Glass now. Go ahead. Sorry. Glass now and Reyes. You know, you know, uh, Glass now uh, is a has a curveball as his major pitch, and uh, Reyes is is a changeup. Um, so they're not, not similar, but what I would say is that Alex Reyes has a, a bit of a command problem. And I think it might stem a little bit from the fact that, uh, I mean, I want to not sound like an idiot here. Let me make sure he's, I think he's a big guy. Yeah. Six, two, one sixty-five. I don't know what it is then, but he's just, he hasn't had great command, uh, in his, in his, in his history. And the, you know, glass now had an okay start, but I couldn't help but see the negatives in the, in that start. I thought he had a real hard time repeating that curveball, uh, and I thought he had a real, a real hard time repeating his his mechanics in general. So, you know, I think uh, we may see some Alex Reyes, and it's it's fun to think about. You know, he does have good velocity. It's a it's going to be fun to watch him in this in this futures game, but um, you know, it may not hit the ground running. You know, especially if you're pitching. For a team like the Cardinals, uh, you know, are they are they going to run you out there if you if you're walking three or four guys every game? Yeah, and th- three or four guys in in five innings. Um, by the way, interesting fact about Alex Reyes: actually born in New Jersey, went to high school in New Jersey, but then moved to the Dominican Republic with for, his grandmother, and was signed as an international free agent. I think he he did it for that money. I think he did too, and it was a genius move because then he can yeah. skip the whole. Uh, draft system and ends up signing with a great organization, whereas he probably would have been drafted by a, a lesser one because I'm sure he would have been a top 
uh, a top pick and maybe he just maybe he just didn't want to go to Colorado or something and he's like oh no they're gunning for the third first uh first pick I don't want to get picked by them so let me just go live with grandma and uh and get signed that way so hey hats off I, to you. I know nothing about Dovidas Neverauskas excuse me then but I know nothing about Dovidas Neverauskas that's a great name I love Neverauskas great i i don't even and I'm know i'm pretty sure i got it right too because you know lithuanian eastern european a german's pretty good for that uh he's lithuanian i think that'll be great i just want to see a lithuanian pitch i don't think i've ever seen a lithuanian that, pitch. yeah that's that's a that's a really uh in, intriguing name now he is for the pirates right mm-hmm. and they've been known to kind of look and you know turn over some different rocks didn't they have the the indian kids the, the the two kids from India that the, oh they did sign those guys so, yeah you know they they they're looking elsewhere internationally too obviously they 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 go in the normal channels for for international but they're looking they're looking around trying to find some interesting stuff didn't they have that John Holdsclaw guy wasn't he oh with the palm ball yeah, yeah. so that that is interesting um, I'm not even gonna try the name there what was it again Neverauskas Neverauskas I can I, once once I hear it I can say so Neverauskas uh, he's he is in AAA is there a chance that we see him this year for the Pirates I have no idea There's, he's on nobody's list he was not projected by Cato or Farnsworth nobody said a damn thing about him until oh, wow. um never mind it was only only eight and eight and two thirds innings he just got to 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 AAA this year uh, with his eight and two thirds relief innings yeah. and he has 3.1 strikeouts I, I if it was in like oh, he's not even he's not even starting yeah so. yeah he's, he's a really maybe actually maybe you'll see him because that bullpen might need some help i i don't know i i did the only reason i brought him up was he's lithuanian well i do know something about adalberto mejia well i'm very interested to hear what it is you know about him and think about him because there's another guy who's with san francisco he's closer if they don't trade some of those bigger guys maybe mejia is somebody that gets dealt or comes up to kind of maybe be a reliever himself for them. I know he's a starter in the minors, but maybe they say, let's uh, let, let's let's put you out of the pen right now because that's what we need more. What do you, mm-hmm. what can you tell us about uh, Alberto Mejia? Actually, I sort I think back end starting for the for the Giants is a need. You know, that's true too. Uh-huh. Jake Peavy busy yelling at himself all the time. Um, I don't blame him like though it. because he's terrible. He's sort of on the edge. You know, he's right there in the end of his career. You know. And uh, Matt Cain always hurt. Alberto Suarez just really not much upside. Pretty pretty blah. I mean, uh, credit to Suarez for what he's done for 48 and a third innings. I, I will uh, say that you know a 110 WHIP, 372 ERA, and a 28 strikeout to walk ratio. That's that's passable. But like you said, they probably need two guys because Cain's already hurt and Peavy's not that good. So it could be Albert and El- Alberto being the uh, the two back end guys for them. Yeah, and he's having the best strikeout numbers of his career this year, best strikeout minus walk numbers of his career, Mejia is. And what I heard recently from my man, um, Manolo. Manolo is, uh, what was his last name? Manolo is a, Manolo Hernandez. Um, he's a, a writer uh, that uh, writes, he's sort of beat writer, Works on MLB.com and a friend of mine in the clubhouse or in the in the press box, he was telling me that Mejia has started to kind of have two changeups, where he has the changeup that he throws uh, to get a strike, and he has the changeup that he throws 
to to get a whiff. Is this something that we're seeing more? Because I know you've highlighted different guys who are doing this. Is this a trend or just something that we're noticing a bit? Kyle Hendricks was the first one that you really highlighted. I'm trying to think of who else yeah, we talked Chase to. Anderson. Yes, Chase guys. Anderson does that. Yes. Uh, it is an interesting – I think it's just the kind of stuff that we see out of guys as they get older. Okay. It's when they, when they talk about feel and touch, you know, that's, that's what they're talking about is, is, is understanding how to – you know, Jaime Garcia has like five fastballs, and that probably took a while to get together because, you know, he's really taking off and adding and, and has like a big – a wide range of, of velocities and movements he can put on his fastball. So Cut, split. Four seam, yeah. two seam. He actually has something called a chop. Fa- no, I just made up a word. Um, no. I, no, but he he he'll he'll like take things off. So it's more of a sinker and more than more of a two seam. Like take it like a hard harder two seam, a slower sinker, that sort of stuff. So uh, with Mejia, I think that it's uh, going to be very useful him for him to be able to do that. That's probably the source of his best walk rates of his career. So the the ability to uh, to to throw that change up for strikes. So. Um, you know, I think he's an interesting guy. He's a, as a lefty, um, you know, I, I think that they could, they could use him, uh, may end up coming in the, into the pen or may end up being a trade asset, but, um, I would, I would, I want to see more of him in the all-star game for sure. Is there any league type like an NL that you'd already stash Alberto Mejia or you just kind of letting it play out? Uh, I suppose you could do it ahead of the. Uh, ahead of the, the, the deadline. trade deadline, okay, yeah, and uh, and and do it as a, uh, I think this guy will you know move in in one of these deals, or uh, or get a you know get an opportunity after the deals are done. So maybe that, yeah. that's that's about I, it. I, I would I would rank him behind like David Dahl. I think David Dahl is probably on this entire roster the guy that's the most likely to see time this year. Oh, okay. Well, I know that's shifting back to the. To the well, uh, I just wanted to, American just team, wanted to, I wanted to give it sort of an idea. I mean, maybe, maybe Hater, uh, Musgrove, Hater and Musgrove in the bullpen. Maybe Carson Fulmer in the bullpen. Well, what about the next guy that we we're going to talk about for the world team, Gary Sanchez, a, a gentleman that yeah. we had a chance to to talk with um, at the at the fall league. Was really impressed with a lot of what he had to say. His focus on defense, because when com- when he was coming up, he and Jesus Montero were kind of bunched together as these hitting only catching prospects. And obviously we've seen what's happened with Montero, but Sanchez has remained behind the dish and really improved himself. All the reports that I've seen and even what we saw in Arizona, uh, I would agree with it, that that he's definitely a, a capable catcher back there. He's not going to kill you. I understand that they have Brian McCann right now, but I think they could be a situation where McCann starts to play more and more first and Sanchez works as the backup and hopefully eventually takes over. But what do you think of Gary Sanchez, who's having a solid year at AAA? Is he going to make his way up this year again? I know he's had a couple uh, real quick tastes. In fact, he had one game um, already this year, two games last year, nothing to really go off of. Is Gary Sanchez going to get a, a look this year, or, or is it still just McCann and uh, is Romine the backup right now? Austin Romine or Andrew? Uh, you know, the, the, I think the problem is if you're, especially if you're trying to be competitive, the problem is that you don't want your backup catcher to be offense first. It doesn't make much sense. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I guess you could say something in Houston is being done without with Evan Gaddis, but it's probably more like Evan Gaddis is the starter quote unquote and Jason Castro is the the, the defensive you know defense first back and, and even if you, you we can concede that Evan Gaddis is offense first but he he knows the the rotation still right he know he knows the right. pitchers 
Yeah. He's not learning that. He's more of a veteran in terms of just catching in the major leagues, you know? Yeah. Um, whereas Sanchez has uh, caught two games in the major leagues. So, and and that's that's been the nexus of why anyone is is not uh, maybe not worried about it, but has uh, any shade that's thrown Gary Sanchez's way is mostly about his defense and his position in the future. Um, so, you know, it is interesting. They have Brian McCann signed. Brian McCann used to be a really good framer. He's still pretty good. Um, his bat seems to be slowing, but they've still got him uh, under contract. And it's a little bit tough to see what to do there. And McCann knows all the pitchers. If you sort of decide, okay, this season is out the window, then maybe you bring up Gary Sanchez to play behind him and then play some first base too um, and just, you know, give him a taste or whatever. But that does, you know, that's playing time. That's, um, you know, that's that's future, you know, that's a might you might cost yourself a year in the future maybe of control we, Sanchez. So maybe we could see that in August with Mark Teixeira maybe being an August trade type because he's gonna uh-huh. he would pass through, right? And it is yeah. the last year of that of that deal and he's been he's been that gives yeah. He's been brutal no, uh to share Yeah, it also gives a good it gives the Yankees more cover for like, no, we're still you know, we're still being competitive. We only just traded uh, Miller, they may not trade Miller and Chapman. I think that's another thing that people will have to come to grips with is that they may not trade them. Absolutely. But uh, they could trade one of those relievers and say, "We're well, no, we're still in it. We just, you know, we needed to retool there a little bit. Especially if they get August. somebody close, right? If they get somebody that yeah. they could actually bring up in August in as the main piece of the deal, then they say, yeah, we traded that stud, but we had to fill in uh, an infielder or, or a starter or whatever they starter, get in return. Yeah. Like, totally could get a starter back and then they could throw the starter in the rotation right away and just be like, Hey, look, you know, we're we traded one piece for another. We're yeah. definitely going to make the playoffs. No, <laughs> yeah, please keep, keep coming to the game. Keep coming to the games. Keep filling up those seats, uh, 22% capacity behind home plate. It looks great on TV. Um, no, but I think it's great. The greatest thing for Sanchez is that he's kept his bat at like 30 to 40% better than league average in the high, in the sort of double a triple a in the high minors. And he's done that while what, talking to us about uh, about defense being his number one priority. Absolutely. And about how he's working on framing, and he's working on keeping his body still, and on this and on that, and blocking and everything. So, you know, if he could, if like we could even say, even if he had like a league average year with the bat, we could say, well, he's working on defense. The fact that he's keeping that bat up and working on the defense, I think, you know, every catcher when they the catcher debut ages are later. Uh, catcher uh, aging curves look a little bit different. Um, so I, I think that he's just uh, he's just learning the tricks of the trade, and it's a really difficult position for him. So um, I'm still I traded for him in that uh, 20 team dynasty league. Uh, he was part of the package I finally ended up getting for Justin Upton. Um, and, I, I know you held uh, off on on trading him and i think it was a good idea though to get his stock back up a little bit because upton has come around and you probably got a little bit more than you would have if you'd done it in april or early may well i also wanted to see if my team was competitive that's true i'm more of the the kind of guy who says things can fall in different ways than you expect and you might as well build to be somewhat competitive make sure all of your roster slots i'm not going to be like i'm rebuilding right now in that league but i'm not gonna uh, put zeros out there in at every position or at least i'm i might now for a little bit but going into next year i'm gonna want to have starters at every position i'm gonna want to have a, a starting lineup and 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 pitchers you know just in case all my guys hit and you know oh everything's go- everything's going good and then you know 
So, all right. Next up is is Tyler O'Neill, a guy who was in the Arizona Fall League, but I'd be lying if I said I remembered him at all because I don't. First off, it was eight games. It might not have even coincided with when we were there. He did dominate in those eight games. Thirty-one plate appearances. He went three thirty-three, three fifty-five, seven thirty-three with three bombs. But more importantly, he's been dominating at Double A this year. With 15 homers, 303, 369, 532, he is an outfielder for the Seattle Mariners out of uh, out of Canada, third round pick back in 2013. I still don't know a ton about him, even though he's been in 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 Double A this year. Do you know anything about him? And is there any chance that he escalates quickly? Because again, he's at Double A, so he'd probably need at least a little look in Tacoma. And I don't know how much outfield the Mariners necessarily need, but. I've been seeing him pop up in my chats and um, ill-equipped to currently answer questions about him, but I'm curious what you think we might see on Sunday with Tyler O'Neill. Yeah, uh, I think it's interesting that uh, he's so young. You know, um, he's uh, he just turned 21, so he's one of the youngest guys in the Southern League, and he's really improved his play discipline. So those things are good, uh, and Depoto loves those things. And then as of when it comes to his time frame, it doesn't look like he'll get much time in the major leagues this year. DePoto said, ideally, we'd leave him in the Southern League for much of the season. There is no rush. He's an all-star and arguably the best player in the league. He's in discussion to win the Triple Crown. We'll let him have a dominant season. And if we get the opportunity, things have gone consistently well. At the end of the season, we'll give him a taste of Triple A and get him ready for next year. So they'll, they'll, give him, they'll send him to Triple A for the playoffs, you know, because the playoffs play in September. Mm-hmm. So then he'll, his season will be done. You know, maybe they send him to the, the fall league again or something, but his season will be done halfway through September. There won't be any reason to, to, to get him on the major league roster. So, yeah, I think he's more a guy to watch for the future. But uh, exciting in that he can control the zone uh, with power and, uh, and has decent tools uh, and is so young. Well, keep him on your radar, but I don't know that it's going to be a 2016 impact for Tyler O'Neill. Let's talk about a couple other guys on this world team who are in AAA, which which means, of course, that they're knocking on the door um, of, of potentially contributing this year. Manuel Margot was part of that Craig Kimbrell deal as well, and I think he's been seen as the one who might make the, the most immediate impact. Now, they're a terrible team again out in, in San Diego, but what if they trade somebody like a Justin, or excuse me, like a Melvin Upton, who's been fine. He's actually been a better fantasy player than real life, I would say, because he's got 14 bombs, 19 stolen bases, but he's still at like a 102 OPS plus, which you know that's not that's not that eye popping. But somebody might be interested in the 31 year old. He's played some some solid defense as well. So if he gets dealt, or if they find a way to move Matt Kemp, you know one or one or both of those guys could move out. Would Manuel Margot be somebody that gets called up this year? And what do you, and what do you think about him? He's a 21 year old uh, prospect in the outfield as well, brought over from Boston. Yeah, I think uh, you know. I think he might like. I think he might be a fancy, a better fancy player. I think he could be a guy who could hit five homers and steal thirty bases with a, you know, two seventy five type average. I, I, I'm not sure who that is off the top of my head. That does sound like somebody. Leonis Martin before this year. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a decent one. Uh, there's some opportunity, some possible potential for power and down the line, but at this point, he's more of a not nothing guy than a got something guy in terms of you know, has a lot of power. It's more like, you know, can can hit you some doubles and triples and will have a couple homers, but, you know, power's not necessarily his game. So I like to see, you know, he's kind of one of these guys that has like the sixth 
walk rate and the nine strikeout rate. It's just a, a guy who's going to put the ball in play. Okay. And uh, if if he does that in the major leagues, then could be and with enough power, then could be one of those real assets that has 200 hits a year. You know, 299, 300 type average. Um, because and be even more valuable than a guy who walked more because he just keep putting the balls in play, um, you know, steal some bases. I like him, but in real life, uh, I think he'll probably be a guy that's uh, going to hope to have a league average bat and uh, and give you a lot of defensive value in real life. Yeah, a lot of defensive value and speed there. Uh, and as we've talked about repeatedly, speed's at such a premium that Manuel Margot again might end up being like like organization mate Melvin Upton, a better fantasy than real-life player. Uh, what about Jorge Bonifacio for the Kansas City Royals? Obviously, they had some really sharp um, outfield issues when Alex Gordon was hurt. He's back. I still don't think that they're necessarily covered uh, in, in the outfield. You know, Paolo Orlando's playing a lot. Alex Gordon himself hasn't been great. Lorenzo Cain's on the DL. To the point where they've actually put Kendris Morales in the outfield, which... I wouldn't even do that on the video game. I wouldn't even do that on MLB The Show, let alone IRL. Uh, I think that's not great. But what do we think of Jorge Bonifacio? I remember him being a big prospect name a couple years ago, but I feel like that star has dimmed a little bit. In fact, yeah, he made prospect lists at the tail end back in 2014. He was 90 at Baseball America, 91 at MLB, and 99 over at BP. Uh, and that's that's two two years ago now. Tough year last year, back on track a bit this year with 13 bombs, 290 average, and an 850 OPS. Is the 23-year-old Jorge Bonifacio ready to come up and maybe deliver something for the uh, for the Royals? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think that they'd rather – he didn't come up when they needed a lot of help in the outfield. So yeah, I doubt but Merrifield did. You know, he's 23. He, he was bad the last couple of years. He was below average uh, in his league the last couple of years in AA. So I think they'd be just happy for him to have a really great season. Sort of like what you heard with DePoto with uh, Tyler O'Neill. Yeah. Just like let him have a really great season. And uh, and next year we'll start talking about bringing him up and getting him taste in my major leagues. They don't. They don't seem to like want. They don't want to push it with guys, and you know, they Merrifield came up when he was 26. You know what I mean? So Bonifacio might might hang out for a bit. All right. Well, we're gonna wrap up here a little bit with uh, Rocky's Corner. Rocky's Corner. We're talking about the stupid Rocky's Corner. Now, you briefly mentioned David Dahl. And uh, he could be coming up. He's on the American team. He's an outfielder. Obviously, some situations would open up if Cargo or Charlie Blackman were dealt, or even Gerardo Parra, I guess. All, I guess all three of their guys are certainly open to being traded because even Blackman, who is, is the youngest of the bunch, is hardly young, right? He's, I think he's 28 this year. He is having a career year. He's 29, in fact. So he and Parra are both 29. Parra's currently hurt, so he'd have to get, he'd have to get healthy before he was traded. Cargo, probably the one who could bring back the most. Had a great year last year. He's really carried it, or a great second half, I should say, last year. That's when he really, really took off, ended up with 40 homers. So far this year for Cargo, having an even better year with a 919 OPS. That's actually his highest since 2010. So, you know, Cargo definitely back on track of being a superstar. Has still another year under contract at 20 mil, age age 20, uh, excuse me, 23. We wish age 31 season next year will be a, a 20 million dollar season. That's not that's not that crazy, right? I know when when he was having that really bad 2014, 
uh, with health issues, you were looking at three more years of around 20 mil uh, or upper teens to 20 mil. That's when it was looking bad. But now you'd have to pay the rest of this season and then 20 mil next year. That's not so bad. So we could see cargo dealt. Does he, does David Dahl need a trade to uh, to get called up or could he get called up just by continuing to, to be good? Well, it's interesting because Blackman is playing a little bit of center because uh, Gerardo Parra is out. So there's a little bit of an opportunity there right now, but I think you know Parr is going to get healthy at some point, and then they've got a full outfield. So I think he does need a trade. Um, I don't think they want to really play him at first base. I think they want to get as much positional value out of him as they can. Absolutely. So, so I think that I think that he, he's uh, on a trade. The other guy there, though, seems like he might be close. He feels a need. He's exciting, and uh, I'd like to see if. He will throw something other than a fastball. His name is Jeff Hoffman. Jeff Hoffman, yes. Um, big part of the uh, Troy Tulowitzki trade was coming off of Tommy John, so it was almost a buy low situation because not only did it, they didn't just get Hoffman, they also got some additional pieces to go with it, including you know the Jose Reyes, uh, Miguel Castro. I think there was one other player, so they got a pretty pretty solid return for Troy Tulowitzki. But it really hinges on Jeff Hoffman to be good for them. He's been all right in AAA considering that he's in Albuquerque. I think anything anything under a 5 ERA I think is is all right there. And he's at 403 with a 135 whip. I think that the hits are going to be high somewhere like Albuquerque. So I, I don't get too crazy on a 9.1 hits per nine rate. I do like a 9.1 strikeouts per nine rate. That definitely works. And then he's right around three strikeouts to walk uh, ratio there. So how quickly could he start delivering for for the Rockies, Jeff Hoffman? It's funny because he had this uh, this great stretch that culminated with a start against um, the AAA Giants squad on June 30th. And uh, it was a three-start stretch where he had 26 strikeouts against two walks in... Uh, Small correction. That's actually the, uh, the, the, um, the Astros now. That was part of the, the jumble that I mentioned last year. The Fresno Grizzlies no longer Giants. They're now Astros. Pretty irrelevant, but just wanted to mention it. Oh, it's, well, it still shows up as Giants in our game logs. But anyway, uh, three-start stretch, uh, 19 innings. Uh, 26 strikeouts and two walks. Hot damn. And uh, then someone asked uh, Walt Weiss how close Jeff Hoffman was. He said he's pretty close to being promoted. Then Jeff Hoffman went out and had an outing with 4.2 innings, five strikeouts, three walks, eight earned runs. He's probably still pretty close, but it is interesting that Hoffman has, like, other than two starts, has not given up more than three runs. Yeah, he has uh, two shellackings, one against the uh, the 51s, the Las Vegas 51s, and the El Paso Chihuahuas, in which he's given up 15 of his uh, – how many earned runs does he have all year? 15 44. of his 44. So, so about a third of his runs yep. have come in two starts. Two starts. The rest of it has been really good. Yeah, and and a general trend towards fewer walks, I would say. Uh, you know, the, this, the first half of the, of the first half, he, he was uh, probably around three walks for nine. And then since he's been more closer to two walks per nine, so, uh, or you know, actually probably four and a half to three. So he's, I think he, you know, his overall numbers belie uh, the fact that he's improved in the command area. He's definitely getting the strikeouts. Definitely has good velocity. He's in AAA. That team needs pitchers. I think they're going to give him a shot. <laughs> yes, Rocky need pitching. Jeez. Yeah. So do you think? Let's just be honest. Let's just talk about it bluntly here. Can he be a success? Oh, sweet, sweet speaking ability. 
Can he be a successful fantasy pitcher for us? Can Jeff Hoffman be a guy that we can just trust, or is he going to be just like all the others where we have to spot start him usually on the road? Is he just going to be like all the others and leave me? He's just going to break my heart in the end. <laughs> He's going to break my heart. He probably is going to break my heart and leave me, and by that I mean get cut off of my roster. Yeah. yeah, because I want to believe. I wanted to believe. I, I'm a I'm a sucker, it's, man. I will keep believing. I'm I still believe in John Gray, but I I still believe in John Gray. He's throwing that cutter now. Uh, but uh, you know, so back to uh, Hoffman. Actually, I mean, I'm I'm worried that if the curveball is his best secondary pitch, and you know, curveballs and and Coors are he, he's gonna he's gonna be upset. Yeah, it does not compete. But I think it's more of a power curve. So if it can. Uh, if it can, uh, if it can be a more of a power curve, like on a sink on the slider level, then he's going to be uh, better. Uh, oh, oh, look at this breaking news! <laughs> the plan with Josh Bell from Travis Sawchick. The plan with Josh Bell is for him to be a bench bat with the club for the next three games, and then it's back to AAA. Son of a biscuit! Well, biscuit. Hey. Uh, enjoy that, that suckers. Turner who, has the better chance to be something good. Exactly, but the, you suckers who are in those fastest finger leagues who went out and grabbed him right away. <laughs> I hope you cut somebody. Good. I'm just bitter. I'm just bitter. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So okay, so, that's one the, more guy to, to back to the Rockies. Going one more guy, Rymel Tapia. And this is a guy that I heard about a while ago. I, I'm, I've mentioned a million times that I'm not usually in on guys who are uh, you know way low. And he just hit trip double uh, A this year. But I've been familiar with Rymel Tapia for a while because he got some really good ink. Uh, what three years ago? And I want to say it was BP's Jason Parks who really propped him up. I might have it wrong on who did it, but I think it was BP as an outlet that really propped him up. Um, and so he's been on my radar since. Continues to put up good numbers. We got a chance to see him in the fall league. I was impressed with what I saw. Um, he had some interesting quirks. There were some things that I didn't like in his game. His two strike approach was not great in the fall league, dude. Not great. It's weird. It, weird is the best way to put it, right? He so does that weird crouch. It was, it was not great. I I didn't love it. it. It's like he's trying to make the strike zone smaller yeah, or something. It's, it's, but but it was so like it's completely different. But even around that, I still liked a lot of what I what I saw from him when he made contact in non two strike counts. I thought it was really solid contact, athletic guy, lithe body, um, outfielder type. I really think he could stick in center field just from what I saw. What do you think about Rymel Tapia? I know he's in double A, so probably not contributing this year. Again, for the same same reasons that we're talking about with Dahl, he would need a trade and a promotion to triple A. One thing I'm really worried about is he has speed, but he has no idea when to run. No idea. He's <laughs> yeah. 14 for 27 this year. Dude, just stop running. It's not working for you. <laughs> Uh, but I do think that that's something that can be molded. I think they could get his speed uh, and turn it into an asset. Obviously, the power is is solid as is, and then will play up in in Colorado. What kind of uh, prospect do you think that Rymel Tapia is? I I worry that there's all those things that you mentioned. I worry that all those things are going to frit away at it. Like he's not going to be a good base dealer, and he's going to be one of these guys who's toolsy and fast, but makes the least out of his out of his skill set. I'm a little worried about him, honestly. I think I think um, it's fair uh, because even in the fall league, he was five for ten. Like the dude has no idea how to steal. Yeah, and that 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 two strike approach is just so bizarre. It's like the, everything just seems it, it, like you you'd almost 
want to say that he was like a basketball player that just picked up baseball. You know what I mean? That's like it's not... a really good example, uh, a really good just... description if you want to get a, a mental image of, of how he was because you'd see great things, right? Like, like I said, we, yeah. we saw some great at bats. I'm like, oh, that was well stung. It had the sound, quote unquote. Yeah. I liked a lot of what I saw, but there were there were these aspects where I was like, yikes. Yeah, what was that? And uh, that speed and that two-strike approach are the two that really jump out. And if they can't mold that speed, then I think it really curbs his fantasy appeal. I think that's a fair critique. Um, all right. I think that, de- that that wraps up Rocky's Corner. I know a lot of you had been clamoring for it since that first one. We kind of we wet y'all's appetite and then, uh, and then really, really teased y'all with uh, two episodes without having Rocky's Corner. Don't worry. I'm still trying to turn it into a spinoff. I'm just working out the terms with Eno and, and Appleman. They're not paying me what I think I deserve for Rocky's Corner. So don't worry, y'all. I'll get it on the air. Probably as a TV show, too. I think ESPN's going to buy Rocky's Corner from me and uh, turn it into a full-scale TV show. But we'll talk about that more. Eno, we gave him a nice big fat episode for the week, and I think that was really nice of us to do that. Uh, so long. What do you got planned for the weekend? Anything cool besides watching the Futures game? Which, again, sat, su- Sunday afternoon, probably a, around 4 Central. Check your local listings because I actually don't know. I just know it's around that midday on Sunday. But what do you got going this weekend? Well, I'm actually going to San Diego, so I'll be at the Futures game. You bastard. I'm super <laughs> jealous. That's awesome. And I did want to mention that because uh, if you, anybody who's listening, if you're in San Diego for the Futures game, I'm doing an impromptu, informal meetup after the Futures game. Right. So, um, Okay, yeah, continue. Sorry, I forgot. You, you had mentioned that. I just forgot. Yeah, so just uh, hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on Twitter and find out where I am. It'll probably be either Social Tap, Neighborhood, or uh, the Stone Tap Room. Those are the three spots. They're all walking distance from the park. I just have to, you know, figure out who's going to come with me. I'm going to be, you know tagging along with other writers and um so it'll be like a meetup i mean there'll be people that you recognize uh drinking beer with me and uh i'd love to hang out with with y'all anybody's listening but uh you just have to do a little work and and try to hit me up somehow all right that'll be great and we will do a follow-up to the to the game because you're going to be talking to some of these guys right you're going to get a chance to talk to some of them so maybe we'll do a little bit of follow-up on a hand oh yeah this was actually great prep work for for my hey we're, we're doing double work, work harder, not smarter. Or wait, 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 work smarter, not harder. Is that, is that the phrase? Yeah, we, we're cutting your work time here by giving you some prep. You can go in and talk to some of these guys. Maybe ask Grimel Tapia what the deal is with his base stealing and two-strike <laughs> approach. We'll get some answers there. But, you know, you and I will be back uh, next week. We'll kind of figure it out to work around the, the All-Star break. And I'm fairly certain Jason and I will be as, as scheduled on Sunday. Eno, have a great time in San Diego, and I'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks for listening.